This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, hello, everyone. My name is Chris Rydell, actor and now podcast host, I guess. Um, that guy you've seen on a million TV shows and movies, but you still do not know my name. And I'm David Allen Bache, actor and sometimes producer. And you also recognize me from lots of films and TV shows, but you probably couldn't name one of them right now if I paid you to. The two of us and our guests are going to let you in on some secrets on how to make it as an actor and share some private stories from the many movies and TV shows that we've worked on. That's right. We're going to interview a special guest each week, and we'll get their best advice and wisdom for you about how to break into this business and how to stay in it. And yes, again, there will be stories, stories, stories. So, let's get to it. This is Confessions of a Working Actor. Okay, thank you again for joining us. And let me tell you guys about today's episode guest, the amazing Jack Merrill, the veteran actor who's been in plays, films, TV shows like Grey's Anatomy, Third Watch, games people play on Bet, and many, many more. Yes, he's also a founding member of the legendary New York theater company, Naked Angels. Oh, you guys did some homework. We did a little homework. That's what yeah. we do here at Confessions of a Working Actor. You know, yeah. I did a play with Naked Angels called Snake Bit a while yes, back. Yes, I think, I was thinking about that. I definitely saw it, and I think uh -huh. we must have met. Because must, Jeffrey, Jeffrey and I like grew up together, basically. Uh, well, we must have had a drink together. We're going to get into that later. We will jump off right now. And we're very happy to have our guest this week, Jack Merrill. More important than, than t all your, your film stuff and all the theater stuff and Naked Angels, let's be honest, what the people really want to know about is Hannah Montana. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's actually <laughs> really funny. Yeah. I, it's all, everybody's kids knew me from Hannah Montana. Really? For sure. Oh, yeah. I was the music teacher. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there was a moment when that was a moment when that was all. You know, it's funny. It's about the thing I the thing I most remember about her. She was a kid, but she was basically Elaine Stritch. I mean, Miley, that's uh, Miley Cyrus was Elaine yeah. Stritch. I love it. Yeah. She was like, you know, she was like this. She had this voice and she, you know, she she knew what she was doing. She was yeah. great. That was fun. Yeah, it's very funny. Tell us, do you, do you still get recognized from that show? I don't think so. No. That was a moment in time when it when the kids were watching it. So, you know, do kids still watch Hannah Montana? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Those grown-up ones. Did I think the thing, that's, the thing that I did a long time ago that people still say something at Sex in the City, that show does not go away. Yep. Yeah. Yep, that's a good that one. Keeps going. 
And, oh, and that, so Hannah Montana, that was, I was, you know, I was poking a little fun, but that was kind of an early thing for you. And around that time, was there something else that you were doing? And was that Hannah Montana gig like a, a, an amazing opportunity or was it just one of one among many? No, I think somebody saw me. I actually, I know what happened. Somebody saw me in something they asked me to read for it and I got it. That's all. I didn't even really know that much about the show. Boom. I kind of read for, yeah, that's what happened. It wasn't, it, I wish there was a better story than that. <laughs> Are you kidding? For actors, I, I read for it and I got it. It's the best story ever. That's fantastic. And uh, I want to ask, I know I know that Chris is going to ask you about a, a baseball thing in a minute, but I want to oh, ask, yeah. did you actually play the role of Rupert Murdoch? And oh, yeah. I heard a rumor that the real Stormy Daniels was in that project. Yeah, you know, I, the funny thing is, I never actually saw that movie. That's okay, neither did we. Yeah, I didn't see it. <laughs> but that was super fun playing Rupert Murdoch, I have to say. That yeah. was great. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun because I had my own jet and, and we did a lot of golf course stuff and that was fun. No, I never I, I never saw that. I never saw the end of that. I love the director. It's a guy from India. He was so much fun. Mm. But then, I, you know, you know how it, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but there are things you just don't see, which I yeah. would never have believed that that was possible. Right. Until it actually happens. And then you're like, yeah, that actually happens. Like, I don't know what happened to that thing. <laughs> Were you actually flying in the jet? No, or it you was just one of those sitting things. on the tarmac. No, 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 no. It was a studio in Van Nuys and they have a bunch of planes. Mm -hmm. They're cut sections of planes. Have you ever seen those? Yep. It's incredible. There's like, you know, four models. And so what we had, you know, it's just it's just a cut section of a plane and it pulls apart. So we yep. shot on that. But it looked real. That's and fantastic. It, felt, it was really fun. That's fantastic. And ha had you played much baseball before in your life before you ended up in Eight Men Out? Oh, see, I thought you were asking. Well, my father, uh, are you into baseball? Yeah, I follow a little bit of baseball. <laughs> Fairweather fan. Maybe. Did your did your father play? No, my pro father. Ball? Are you familiar with the save statistic? No. For relief How, pitchers, relief pitchers saves. Yeah. Yeah, my father invented that. Oh, wow! Yeah, so that's so when you brought up baseball. I thought, oh, I thought, oh, they looked up my dad. No, my no. dad was a baseball writer in that's Chicago. That's very cool. And and Eight Men Out was the that was the the, um, the Eight Men Out about the I Chicago just, White Sox where they they correct. they threw the World Series right nineteen nineteen World Series and correct. Um, but actually, my dad didn't have anything to do with that, which is funny. I just got out of NYU, and a bunch of us from NYU got cast in that movie. Mm. I was, was friends at the time with DB DB Sweeney, and he was I was my roommate in college. I was, oh, really? I was yeah. really jealous that he got that job. Oh yeah, I, I wanted well. to be in that movie. Yeah, well, there was DB, Jace Alexander, Nancy Travis was in that movie too. Mm -hmm. I guess. Oh, and then I knew John Cusack. There were a bunch of people I knew, mm. but that was just yeah, that was a fun movie to do. And directed by that, John John Sales. That was John Sales. Yeah. Wow. Did you study theater at NYU? I did. I did. That's well, kind of where Naked Angels came from. I, I that if we want to get into that, but Naked Angels is a theater company in New York, and a bunch of us from. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I, I was at NYU. I met David Mamet at NYU. My first movie was his movie, Things Change. And then I immediately did Men Out right after that. But uh, I worked with David on Glenn, Gary Glenn Ross. I was his assistant. That was my first job in show business. Wow. wow. And he kind of instilled the ethic of theater companies in us. 
And so right when I graduated, I started, I was one of the founding members of the Atlantic Theater Company, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. And then I jumped ship to found Naked Angels. And we had about a really solid 10-year run in New York. It's still going. Yeah. But I mean, that's where I, that, I spent all my time there for a, maybe more than that, maybe like 12 years. That's really cool. Fun. You know, da- you know, David Mamet, Jack, I have to tell you, David Mamet came to Emerson College where I went to school. And uh, one of the guys that I had been working in his small theater company knew David and they were friends from way back. And David asked if a few of us could sort of be assistants or interns on a um, like a Vietnam vet benefit that he was doing. Right. And he had written some pieces for it. They're brand new. No one had ever seen them before. And he had, uh, he had just typed them, I think, on a, like a Smith Corona, right? And at one point, he came into the rehearsal room, and he, someone plopped down a machine in front of me and said, kid, y- what you type in here comes out really big so that Stephen Lang and everybody else can see it. And I said, okay, all right, I could do that. And Mamet came in with the cigar, and he's like, put it in. Just, you know, put it all in like that. I said, um, sorry, um, Mr. Mamet, the... And I'm not sure where the sentences start or end. There's not a lot of punctuation. And and he said, I don't care. Just do what you want. Add what you want. And I said, but, and he left. Yeah. That's, and, I, yeah. And, and I was like, I'm not really going to edit David Mamet right now. But it yeah. was really cool. I think I, I think I was, you know, as a kid, I was like, I'm going to throw in an exclamation point. And that was a big deal. But he, it's funny, he was a huge proponent of theater companies and working, oh, yeah. actors working together as a group and having a sense of community. And you feel like he, he instilled that in you as well, that that was important? Oh, he did, 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Create yeah. your own work. Don't sit around and wait for other people. That's it. I Don't still do it. I still, wait. like, basically just do my own thing. That's and right. I'm creating stuff right now. I just am always, uh, I, think I, I think he actually instilled it in me too much. Well, so this is a good segue, don't you think, Chris, into like we, we heard a little bit about NYU and Mamet and sort of the how you get started. But I think there's we're wondering if it's true, Jack, that the Russian tea room figured into your start somehow. And and what does Madonna have to do with that? Oh, yeah, that's funny. Well, when I first came to New York, that was actually before I met David Mamet. I moved and I got a job at the Russian tea room. I was a waiter at the Russian tea room. And of course, at that moment in time, it was like the center of the universe for show business. You know, actually, I'm going to tell you that the, this, this story goes further and it involves David Mamet. It's a great story. So I got a job at the Russian tea room and, and you had four weeks to work there and then you got in the restaurant union. Mm-hmm. So what they did was they put everybody to work there and then they'd fire them right before the fourth. You know, as soon as you were up, if you pass this one day, you were in. And this one waiter, they messed up and they meant to fire him and they fired him a day late. So he got in the union (laughs) so they couldn't fire him. So we're all very cognizant of whether or not we're in the union. Anyway, the funny thing is, is that I had a big fro of hair. I had a lot of hair. It was the, you know, early 80s, like 80. I think it was 1980. I had a lot of hair. And they said, you're going to have to cut your hair. So I went and cut my, you know, my fro kind of went in a little bit, you know, and I came back and they're like, no, no, no. You got to cut your hair like him. And this guy's basically got a buzz cut. And I go, well, if I have to cut my hair to look like that, what about that chick? And there was this girl in the coat check who had all this shit in her hair and she had all these bangles on. And we used to have to go to her for our American Express tips. We used to have to give her the little things. Yep. And for some reason, the coat check girl, I think because she had nothing to do, would add up our... American Express tips and then give us a chit that we take to the bar. Well, she was a total bitch. She was really unhappy. 
And and I said, why if I have to cut my hair, what about the bitch in the coat check? Why can't she cut her hair? And of course, that bitch in the coat check was Madonna. And when I found that out later, somebody said Madonna worked at the coat check and she said it somewhere. And I was like, oh, my God, that was her because she had one name and she had all the rags in her hair. And anyway, of course. So the last day, it's the day before I'm going to get canned and I'm like, I'm going to make it. And everyone's like, you're going to make it. And the psychedelic furs came in. You remember them? Oh, boy. Of course. Hold on tight. Yeah. Psychedelic furs come in. They're completely smashed. It's like late afternoon and they all order the most expensive thing, which was Bellini's, which was like, you know, 80 bucks a piece in 1980 for lunch. You can imagine. Yeah. So you're supposed to do this whole service for the Bellini's. Long story short, I fucked it up. And and that big cheese is watching me and he fired me. So I got fired. So I I begged him to keep me because I needed the job. He goes, you know what? There's other jobs. He was like the coldest guy. He's like, close the door on your way out. So anyway, that was the end of the rest of the room. Cut to, I meet David Mamet at NYU. He's yeah. a teacher there. He comes in and he says, uh, you know, if I were you, you guys aren't going to learn anything here. You're wasting your money. This You should just go out there and work. It's nonsense being at NYU. And so I, uh, I was with actually DB and Jordan Lage and some other people. And they, they knew, I didn't know that much about him. I knew he was from Chicago. And they were all super impressed by him. And I said to so we waited around after to talk to him after this colloquium is what he said. And I said to him, but if you are telling us that we should not quit and not be here, what are you doing here? And he's like, who, who, who are you? So that was the beginning of our relationship. We had a we had a really good time together. And then anyway, so I graduated from NYU. I had transferred so I graduated mid-year and a yeah. friend of mine's mom, I'm from Evanston, Illinois, a friend of mine's mom from Evanston, who was very good to me as a kid, comes to New York because I, the Russian Tea Room had canned me. She decides to take me to lunch at the Russian Tea Room to graduate, to wow. celebrate graduation. Perfect. So, so we walk in and, you know, they had booth number one. I don't know if you guys were ever there then, but that was, it was, in, they didn't even give the booths away unless you were famous. You know what yeah. I mean? They'd leave them empty. Like oh, yeah. the, half the front of the restaurant was empty if no one famous was there. So we walk in. And we're about to go in the back, you know, way, except the people who work there remember me. They're like, hey, how you doing? And all of a sudden, someone stands up in booth number one who's sitting there with Woody Allen. And who is it but David Mann? And he's like, oh, my God, I was just thinking about you. And I turn to my friend's mom. I say, yeah, this happens all the time. This is what happens in New York. You know, this is what goes on. And he said, I see you were thinking about you. He goes, yeah, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm at NYU. He goes, oh, that's too bad because we're going to do this show in Chicago. I said, well, wait, I graduate. He goes, when do you graduate? I said, graduate in a week. I just graduated. I got another week to do, and that's it. He goes, well, could you be in the Goodman Theater in like uh, 10 days? I said, yeah. He said, really? I said, yeah. Hell yeah. so I went to Chicago and became his assistant on Glenn Gary Glenn Rawson at the Goodman. And then we brought it to Broadway, and it won the Pulitzer Prize. And I met everyone I ever thought I would ever meet in my entire life. Wow. I remember he had a birthday party at that time. I remember I described it as I went, and I was the only person there I didn't know. (laughs) That's that's amazing. That's a great quote. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Jack, maybe you could tell our listeners a little secret, maybe something that you wish you had known back then, that you know now. Some gift for that young working actor, that striving actor that's I think just starting. the most starting. important thing is that you have everything you need. I think the most important line is that everything mm. you need is within reach. You may mm. not possess it with you, but it's adjacent to you. Mm. And I think you have to see the world that way and you have to see your life that way and your career that way. And uh, things are within reach and, and things do happen for the right reason in the right time. I mean, mm. you just have to, that's just the way it goes. And we're all on a different timetable and we're all on it for different reasons. I mean, there's different, I know it sounds cheesy, but success is, a, I had, a, I come from a background that any sort of stability is success to me. Mm. So it's, I feel I already accomplished what I wanted to accomplish a long time ago. And it's all gravy. And I think you sort of have to look at things that way. And I don't know that I always did. I feel like I was operating a little bit out of a deficit, which I think we all do. You know, right, right. A lot I of think actors that we do that. But that's I right. think that, that's right. Sometimes we we feel like you know if we're not standing on a podium getting an award or we're we're not, it's not the exact dream that we had when we were first starting out, right? When and sometimes we can kind of diminish things and start looking elsewhere for some approval and validation. That that's a good point, and I think that. I, I, yeah. I can think of actually one really specific thing. When I got that job in Eight Men Out, you know, I thought to myself, you know, as an actor, I'm like, you know, I'm, I've got a machete and I'm chopping my way through the jungle. You know, I'm mm. like this. I'm out there on my own and I'm, you know, I'm get fine. I'm, no one else has been there. And I'm and then I got the job in Eight Men Out. And I was like, oh, I'm not chopping through the jungle. This is a muddied path. Hundreds of thousands of people <laughs> have been on this path ahead of me. Right. Like there's so many people who've already gone down this road and and I don't the and it doesn't matter. But I'm just saying you get these ideas in your head that this if this, then that. And that's just not the way it goes. That's the big break myth. That's the oh, if this one job happens, then the rest of my life will be. And and none of us have experienced it that way. And um, but also you get what you want, which I have done. And then what? Well, that's the next question. So. What does it mean to you? We ask this of all the guests. What does it mean to you to be a working actor? What does that mean when you say to someone, I, I'm an actor? What does that mean? Yeah, that means I have to have been in stuff recently or working on something now. Either I'm actually, I'm involved in the creation of something. I'm not a guy. It's funny because you bring up like TV shows that it's a lot of that stuff is, I see that as secondary. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. That's probably a mistake. Mm. But I I tend to just work on creating things myself. I got two projects I'm working on right now, and I got a book I'm working on right now. And so those are the things that you know. Yesterday we had a we blocked out shots for a thing I'm shooting in a couple of weeks. So that kind of thing is what I think is a working actor is. And of course, making at least some money. So you got to sure. got to make some dough sometime. But Fair that enough. comes and goes. Sure, you know. And then when you get it, you think you're going to get more of it, and then all of a sudden you don't have it. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever experienced that. Well, I'm sure you've never experienced that. No, no. no. That's 
that's a great segue into our next question we usually ask, which is, did you ever feel like you wanted to give up? Mm. You know, funny. No, I, I, I should have. I'm like that. I'm like the I'm I used to say I'm like the guy from Friday the 13th. You know, you stab me and I just get out of the back. Just can't, just come just out can't the kill him. I climb in through the window. I just don't I don't. It's kind of a steady approach. So it's not like I think it's sort of like I pull the ups down and the downs up, if that makes mm. sense. And that's I a good piece. Even it out. That's a good piece of advice. You you know, if I can extrapolate from that, it's that, you know, as an actor, there's no real set path. There's no, uh, you know, your assistant partner and then you make partner at the law firm and it's all over the place. So if, if you know, if one's door shuts in your face, you got to go around the back and find a window to crawl into. You got to find another way to impress the casting person. You got to keep going. You got to find something different to bring to your auditions. Just not real, a real tenaciousness where you say to yourself, I'm, I'm just not going to quit. Well, I just can't imagine doing any, I mean, it's, it's always been the source, although I come in and out and do, uh, do things and then do some other things and come back, but it's always been the source of all my great relationships, mm. my great challenges in life. It's a big challenge. I'm mm. the kind of guy though. I'll do theater here. I found a theater in LA I've been working with. I'll just keep going. Like people are like, you can't do that anymore. Cause you're not making any money. And I'm like, Oh, right. I, right. <laughs> Oops. Right. You know, but, but I just, I just but, like to work. But that's, you know, work begets work. And that's another yeah. thing, you know, for, for actors who are listening, who are wondering about, you know, what work should I be doing? What can I be doing? How do I get to that next level? You know, the, the advice of work begets work and don't wait, create is hugely important, you know, and we see, sometimes we see people that are doing what we want to be doing and it's okay if we have a little jealousy because that's a great motivator. And then we say, all right, well, now how do I do that? Now I want to try that. I want to go do that. Well, I think it's, and you brought up something interesting, which I thought about the should, should I do this? Mm -hmm. Should I go there? Should I, people say to me, do you think I should go to this event or should I go here? Or should I, and my answer is always, do you want to, I mean, right. what do you want to do? Do you right. want to go there? Right. I mean, if you want to go, go. I think that we do. I think that we all have a tendency to actually do what we really want to do. So mm. if you want, you know, if you want to, like I was thinking about voiceovers because everybody's we've been people have been talking about voiceovers with me lately. I thought, well, if I really wanted to do voiceovers, I'd go pursue them all the time. But I guess I don't really want them that much because I don't pursue them all the time. Right. 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 I like them. I've right. done them. Right. But do I want to make a life's work of it? I guess not. If you look at the record, I'm going to say no. Right. Would I do them in the future? Sure. I'll keep doing them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does. It does. But, um, before we get to sort of, we want to get to asking about maybe, uh, you talked about Mammoth already, but maybe sort of a specific story about someone who, you know, really inspired you or something. But before we do, I just want to say, and not to play devil's advocate, but I just want to say that, um, I just want to say that I think we, you know, sometimes we are afraid to start things and we think, well, I don't know if I want to do that for the rest of my life. Right. But here Chris and I are as podcast hosts, and I don't know that we are going to be podcast hosts for the rest of our life, but for us, it's a great way to tell stories. It's just another way to keep working. It's just another Absolutely. way, you know, to get wisdom from someone like you who's been on a ton of sets and been around and share that with people that are listening. So it's a little of both. It's like, hey, wherever you put your energy, that's where you're going to flourish. And also throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Absolutely. Because right. it's so much better to have tried and failed than never tried at all. There we go. 
Um, I mean, it is though. And, and yeah. you always meet people along the way and, and there's always some, I, I, I'm always interested in the yes. I'm much more interested in the yes than the no. Oh, no. Fair no enough. is not an interesting word to me. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Do a little bit each day. Yeah. Know? Yeah, that's right. You there's know, a flow. You, yeah. Yeah. A little moving towards your goal a little bit each day. Yeah. Whether it's watching some film, doing a little reading, right? You know, writing, reading some book, Sandy Meisner, whatever it is, Stanislavski, whatever you that moves you. Yeah. And 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 even just going to play, going to see things. Like we're, we're just being involved in who's in this play and who wrote it and what else did they do? And, you know, it's there's mm -hmm. and everybody's approachable, too. That's something else I've learned. You know, I learned that in New York. You know, there's almost nobody you can't get to. That's, if you really, if you really like someone's work, they yep. want to hear you. They want to hear from you. <laughs> that's very that's also very good advice. Almost there's almost no one you can't get to if you really no. want to show someone your work or. You know, if you have a strong ask with something to back it up, you know, you, you can get to anyone. This is great stuff. We That's we, sort of, I was going to say, that's sort of uh, everything's within reach. I think everyone's like two two calls away. There, you know? if, yeah, I'm in. Jack, yes. can, you, can you do every week we ask our guest this question? Can you give us your worst audition story? <laughs> We have, we have, uh, and Jack, we have, uh, I think we have about five or six minutes together and we're going to ask a few other questions too, but give it to us, give it to us straight. Okay, what was it's the... killer, I have to say. All right. Yeah. So do you remember the talent agency triad? Mm -hmm. Sure. Okay. So I'm in New York. I, they saw me in a play or something and they wanted me to go audition for them, for the, for the office. Now I'm not, they wanted me to bring in a monologue and I didn't, you know, I don't know. I don't really had, I didn't really have monologues at that point in my life, but they said, you know, bring in a good monologue. And I thought, well, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to bring in a play because there's a play that is a monologue. So what I'm going to do is Terrence McNally's written this play called Sweet Eros, and I'm going to do the beginning of the play. And in the play, this guy has a girl tied up to a chair. You know, I can't believe I actually did this. <laughs> He has a girl tied up to a chair and he's playing opera music. And it's a really perverted play. But I didn't really realize at the time I was a kid, I was like, OK, whatever. It sounds great. So I get a tape of opera, opera music. I bring in a boom box and I get a rope and I go, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tie up one of the agents. Right. And I'm going to get them involved in my audition. I think so I've heard this story. I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure people are like, well, that's funny, too. All right. So I go, I'm going to tie her up. I'm going to ask them to tie them up and then we'll all get involved and they'll understand what a great actor I am. So I go, they have the audition at the Carnegie Hall, uh, Carnegie Hall re rehearsal studios upstairs. Yep. And it's sure. basically like flash dance. You know, there's a huge window wall of windows and they have this long desk and everyone's there's like six people sitting there in monochromatic ties. They were yeah. like the CAA of their day, monochromatic suits. And I walk in, I put down my boom box and I get my rope and I put the chair down. I go, okay, so listen, I need someone to sit here because I'm going to tie you up mm. and I had a blindfold too. And I'm going to blindfold you and you're going to be part of it. And they're like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> and I go, no, 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 no. It's not bad. I swear. It's good. I'm not going to tie up. I'm just, you know, going to lay the rope. No, we're not doing that. You uh, stay over there. We stay over here. So I'm like, Oh no. Well, now what do I do? What do I do? Right. So I thought, Oh, well, uh, uh, okay. Sweating, start sweating. Flop, you know, sweat starts coming. Flop, flop sweat. Oh yeah. I'm like, oh my God, what am, okay. So I take the rope and I like drape it around the chair. You know what I mean? Just kind of put it around the chair. 
And then I've got this blindfold and I'm like, well, what do I do with the blindfold? So I lay the blindfold over the back of the chair. Right. <laughs> and I start doing this mo- oh, and I'm getting ready to do the monologue. And I think I need opera. Mu- I got to put on my opera music. Oh my God. Okay. Right. Opera music's put in the background. So I go and I press the boom box and all of a sudden you hear la, 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 la. It's oh, my no. warm up tape. Oh no. It wasn't opera music. It was my warm up tape. And just I looked gets, at them and I'm like, oh, it's the uh, wrong tape. Just gets better. Oh. I was like, you know what? This isn't going to, I think I'm just going to find another go agency. Nice yeah. to meet you. That nice was not my you. agency. The funny, the postscript on that is that like two or three years later, I'm in LA. Remember it's AOC now, but it used to be Orso. And they had a little mm-hmm. the restaurant, outdoor yeah. dining room. Yeah. Outdoor. So we go there. I'm with somebody. I don't remember. It was late afternoon. We go sit down. There aren't that many people there. And I look over and one of the agents is at the next table. She looks at me, swear to God, they moved their table. They actually moved. <laughs> They're like, we're going to go sit over there. And I thought either they think I'm listening wow. or they remember how absolutely insane I was at that audition. <laughs> and they don't even want to sit near me. And they actually moved. So that's, that's my idea. How's uh, that one? That's a great worst audition uh, story ever. That I, is I love cool. it. Fantastic. Somehow Fantastic. I didn't, I didn't try. It didn't take me. I don't know. I don't know why. Let's go figure. I can't imagine. Yeah. It's really weird. I can't yeah. imagine. Well, you know, they were probably a little tied up. Yeah. Hey, ho. Um, all right, Jack, we usually end on, uh, although you've given us some great uh, things to pass along to actors, uh, working actors, struggling actors, uh, well-to-do actors. But the, we usually end on something called the best piece of advice. And, you know, we heard that David Mamet inspired you. But something someone shared with you early on, something you learned the hard way, and um, we heard about don't wait, create, right? Um, and those are all great tidbits. Is there anything you would point out to before we wrap up about like one yeah, thing? I think one of the great lines when I was a kid was become the become the person you always wanted to meet. Oh, I think that's a I think that's a really good way to look at it. Stop looking at everybody else and just like you know what if you want to if they're so great, what do you you know? Mm. What what do you possess that's like that and work on that? I think mm. becoming that right. person is a great way to focus yourself with our where our culture is arranged or deranged. I, I just think that it's really better to instead of focusing on the outward all the time, focus on the inward. Like what am I doing? What can I do? Mm. What can I bring? How can I become what I want to become? And and the answers are definitely there. It's look. It's going to go slower and faster and slower, and it's never what you think it is when you get yep. there. Yep. But so what? It's the journey, and I know those are sort of those sound like tired phrases, but they're not. It is the journey. No, I think that's uh, those are wise words. Very good. Well, thank you, Jack. No, Ladies thank you, guys. Listeners, that was Jack Merrill, actor, actor. extraordinaire, and and. Uh, Critic of Madonna early on, really recognized her true potential very, very early on. Uh, Jack, thanks for talking to us. Really, thanks Thanks for talking to us. We are very happy to talk to you. I'm curious, you know, our our listeners only have audio, but we, of course, see a very, very hairless cat climbing all over you. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I didn't want to get into that. I don't know if we'd have time. We... You know, we, maybe we have a minute before we play our, our closing jingle, but but I I think if, if our listeners could see, they would say, what the hell is that? I got two of them. And I got a dog. There's a dog sleeping over there, too. So there's a dog over there. What kind of yeah, cat is it? This what? is a sphinx. It's a sphinx cat. 
that makes a lot I don't of sense. know what to tell you. I'm not sure how it started, but I love them. They're they're sort of it's they're sort of between a cat and a dog. That's a great way to that's a great way to wrap up. Thank you, Jack Merrill. We really appreciate it. And you guys, you've been listening to Confessions of a Working Actor. Well, it's been another great 20 minutes with you, my friend. And you too, brother. It's been fun. Yeah, that was great. Cool. I thought that was awesome. All right, star star that. That was terrific. And we got another great guest coming up next week, so be sure to tune in again to Confessions of a Working Actor. 